Well, this evening our homily comes to us uh, once again from 1 Peter. I'm calling these homilies because I don't really know if they're sermons. Um, they're not typically as long as a normal, th- normal sermon. Um, and without you being here with me, I don't know if, if, if it counts as a sermon, uh, but it is certainly uh, an encouragement and an exhortation from the word. And so this evening, I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read from verse 10 to verse 16. Concerning this salvation, I guess it might help if you could see it. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what an amazing scripture that you have been speaking from the beginning and that Jesus Christ was speaking to and through the prophets, revealing himself in times past and that this was done not simply for those at the time in which the speaking and the writing took place, But this has been done for us. It's been done for every succeeding generation so that your people, your covenant people, which have your covenant promises passed down from one generation to the next might know you as we are known by you. And so enlighten our minds and our hearts and our wills this evening by the life of by the voice of Jesus Christ speaking to us through his word. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I was trying to figure out what to do during these online services, uh, I think I've mentioned once before that a couple people suggested, well, why don't you just go ahead and jump into Ephesians? And I said, no, I don't want to jump into Ephesians uh, because There's no telling who will be caught up so that when we do, Lord willing, eventually get back together, uh, it would almost feel like I would have to start from scratch. So I didn't want to jump into Ephesians, but I also was growing um, a little weary of bouncing around, um, not wanting 
uh, to have uh, our services really dominated um, by you know the my personal whims from one week to the next and so uh, a few weeks ago I did decide to camp out here in first Peter and the reason that I chose first Peter in addition to the passage that we used uh, for the resurrection day uh, service was the fact that first Peter is a letter that up until recently many of us in reading it probably felt like we were reading something from a distance we probably felt like we were reading something that didn't quite touch us in a very real or tangible way and that is because we as americans have lived in a time of prosperity we have lived at a time in which we have experienced a ton of blessings and first peter is being written to people who are experiencing the opposite. They are a people who are experiencing travail. They are struggling, and not because of sin, but precisely because of salvation. Now let that sit on you for a second. It is true that there are times when you and I will, will sin, and we will be disciplined by the Lord uh, for that sin, and that discipline often doesn't feel very nice. But struggle, trial, testing are not solely the result of being disciplined by God for sin. It is also the natural result of salvation. And that is because, as we have seen in 1 Peter so far, when you and I claim Jesus Christ, and when we bow our knee to him, and when we devote ourselves to him as our Savior and our Lord, what we are doing is we are making a declaration that not only is Jesus Christ king, but that he is our king. And as our king, he will have no rivals. We saw from Philippians that our true citizenship, when you are in Jesus Christ, is a citizenship of the world to come. And what that makes us here in 1 Peter is sojourners and exiles. We are those who we are on a pilgrimage going from this world to the world to come. And by nature of being a citizen of a different kingdom, a different realm, a different country, a different king, that makes things difficult as we pilgrim through a foreign land. Now, the challenge for you and for me is learning to actually define ourselves as sojourners and exiles. Unless you are someone who is living uh, here in the United States and you did not grow up here in the United States, then you are someone who is listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, but I'm an American. This is where I've grown up. This is my home. I've got family property that goes back generation after generation. And that's a wonderful blessing. 
But that cannot be the way, the primary way that we define ourselves. When I was nine, uh, my dad, who was in the Marine Corps, uh, got stationed over the little island in uh, the Pacific Ocean, uh, the little island of Okinawa. And so we got to go with him. And for about a year, we lived in Okinawa. We did not live on the military base. We lived out in town. And as such, we had a combination. Some of our neighbors uh, were American military like us, but some of our neighbors were not. Our next-door neighbors uh, were actually Okinawans, uh, and they did not speak English. And it was a wonderful experience for me to, to experience what it was like to be the citizen of one country, but living in a country that was not my own. That did not mean that I didn't like it there. It didn't mean that my purpose was to be at odds with what was going on. It was to be a good representative of my country so that the people that I would meet, um, that they might see that Americans can be really nice. Now, at a different level, at a spiritual level, this is exactly what you and I are supposed to understand about ourselves and convince ourselves of. That when we come to Christ, we are citizens of the heavenly places. And though we may feel very comfortable here in America, America is not our home. American culture is not our culture. This does not mean that we have the purpose of living here trying to undermine everything around us and to be difficult people and to be people who stick out because uh, we are you know, difficult and not nice and running around judging everybody. We are to stick out. But what makes us stick out, beloved, is that we carry with us the marks of a heavenly culture that we bring with us into every relationship, into every room into which we walk, we bring with us the bouquet of the heavenly places. We bring a different air with us because you and I, beloved, breathe a different air. The air that you and I breathe as citizens of the heavenly places is that air of God's grace. And so 1 Peter is a letter about God's grace for his sojourners, for his exiles, for his treasured possession that are living outside of the land, that have a purpose of bearing witness to the heavenly places and bearing witness to their heavenly king as he watches over us and guards us and guides us uh, through this pilgrimage. We have this, this privilege, but we also have this struggle to be faithful to God while we wait and while we act. What has happened because of COVID-19, what has happened because of the coronavirus is there's been a, a lot of changes that have happened very Quickly, And I was reading an article this week in Psychology Today that I thought put, it, put several things really well as it was describing um, the toll that this can take on people when there are so many changes so quickly. 
The writer says, the COVID-19 pandemic has dominated our minds, our lives, and unfortunately, for many of us, our bodies as well. There is nowhere to hide as every corner of our cities, states, and nations has been covered by the cloak of a disease whose weight is overbearing and its impact crushing on all aspects of life. Now, I'm not sure I agree with uh, just how dire he describes things, but he definitely is correct with how prevalent these things are, which is why we call it a pandemic. It is everywhere. In a very short time, we had to make so many adjustments to our daily lives, some of which were self-imposed, but many imposed by external demands. And as soon as we get used to one new way of living, we are pummeled by new restrictions, new adjustments, and new threats. Never before have our spirit, our stamina, and our resilience been tested to their limits to this extent. He goes on to say, indeed, our emotional engine is on overdrive. Fear for our lives and the lives of our loved ones. Fear of losing our jobs, our income, our livelihood. And if we have already lost our jobs, then the fear is about how we are going to survive in a world with cruel financial demands and diminishing protections. The uncertainty leads to anxiety. The social isolation leads to loneliness. The lack of recourse leads to helplessness. The curtailed freedom leads to frustration and anger. The losses we suffer lead to depression. And this tsunami of negative feelings amplifying and intensifying each other leads to extreme levels of emotional fatigue. As I have been going around visiting, as I have exchanged emails, as, as I have exchanged phone calls, I do get the sense that some of you are experiencing this emotional fatigue, this pandemic fatigue, because there are so many differences. There are so many unknowns. And there are so much of this has been forced on us. And though we have been trying to embrace them willingly um, and to do so in a way that is a characteristic of God's people in submitting ourselves to the authorities that he has established over us, it doesn't make it easy. It's becoming easy to complain. It's becoming easy to be frustrated. It's becoming easy to want to find some secret answer out there. It becomes real easy, beloved, for us to actually start being marked and characterized by the things that are characterizing those who don't know Jesus Christ more than we are being characterized as those who do. And I say this not to get on to to you or to get on to me, but to remind us that what God has for us here in 1 Peter is a, a promise from the very beginning, and that is for grace to be multiplied to us. What we have from the very beginning of the letter is God's grace, and what we have from the very beginning of the letter is God's hope. 
The hope, as we noted, Resurrection Sunday, is the hope that you and I are going to receive open vindication by God in the coming day. That you and I are going to experience God's welcome. Uh, We are going to experience God smiling over us. We're going to experience God singing over us. That God receiving us uh, into the fullness of his glory. And that is the hope that we have been born again to in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But until that day, how does God's grace come to us? Well, one, it comes to us, note here in our text this evening. It comes to us in realizing that you and I, we live in a period of redemptive history that other people longed to see and to experience. Things are difficult for us, there is no doubt. Things are difficult because of the ongoing pressures of sin. Things are difficult because things are changing all around us right now. And yet, as difficult as some of these changes are, you and I still live in a period of redemptive history that past saints longed to understand and that they longed to experience. They had a shadow of the good things to come. They had God's word and they had the sacrifices. They definitely had God's grace, but that grace was not exposed in as great a fullness as it is to you and to me now living on this side of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I live in a period of time that the past saints they, they knew was coming, but they didn't even know what was coming. But you and I do. The grace of God has been unfolded to us by allowing us to come into an understanding of his eternal purposes that were previously only somewhat understood. You and I live in a greater fulfillment. You and I live at a greater time where not only uh, do we have more of God's word that explain his, his past promises, but you and I, we live at a time that even angels longed to understand. This is an incredible mystery. And when we focus on the things of this life, And we allow them to define us. And as we allow them to to change us. And as we allow these temporary things to take on too high of a a priority. Beloved, what you and I miss out on is the beauty and the glory and the mystery of living within this time of fulfillment in Jesus Christ. As we saw in Ezekiel 36, God is promising to come to us and to gather us to himself and to give us new hearts uh, and new minds. He has promised to cause us to walk in obedience to him and to live in the promised land that he uh, has for his people. What we have entered into in Jesus Christ is that we have entered into some of that right now. 
because we have been born again to a living hope. You and I are already citizens of that land, but yet we are waiting for the fullness of that land to come. You and I already breathe the air of the heavenly places, and yet we wait to breathe the fullness of that air where we no longer have to also breathe in the pollution of this world. Beloved, God has revealed himself and has done everything that was needed for him and for us to be able to live in the shalom of being God's people. And you and I already experienced that in ways that past saints didn't know. And so that grace of God has been multiplied to us in leading us to live in, in a time of fulfillment and yet finding ourselves still looking for the greater fulfillment and the consummation of the fulfillment to come. And so be encouraged by God's grace in, in being part of God's people at this time. How amazing is that to be able to live as someone going through the difficulties and trials of our current circumstances, but instead of defining ourselves by those earthly circumstances, to define ourselves by our eternal circumstances. And to be able to have a, an attitude of peace. To be able to embody the grace of Jesus Christ. So that rather than joining in with the arguing and the complaining and the grumbling, I'm pretty sure there was a time that God's people did that. And I don't think it went too well for them. There's not a time for us to argue and grumble and complain. It is a time for us to shine as the lights of the heavenly places. And so how do we deal with this emotional fatigue? How do we deal with this pandemic fatigue? Well, first of all, purposefully this week, every morning, wake up and redefine your existence, not according to the changes that have come because of COVID-19, but because of being born again to a living hope. Wake up every day this week and redefine yourself, reorient yourself according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the grace of God that is at work within you, that you and I experienced, that past saints did not experience the way that we do and wish they could. Realize you live in a time of fulfillment. Secondly, we have to prepare our minds not only by recounting God's grace and redefining ourselves according to the grace that has been revealed to us in Jesus, we are to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What this is saying is that grace that we have experienced, that grace in which God has shown himself to be trustworthy as he has made promises and fulfilled them in Jesus Christ as we wait for the consummation of of all that fulfillment, we do so by preparing our minds on the basis of the grace that is still yet coming. We have received grace, and yet there is grace that is coming. When Jesus Christ comes, and as the, this world is finally, as it passes away, and as you and I enter in the, into the fullness of what we already taste in Jesus Christ, we are going to be made like him 
for we will see him, the Apostle John tells us. This is our hope, and this is the confidence that we have because of what Christ has done and because of what Christ will do. What we have to do is prepare our minds by being sober-minded. What a beautiful picture for us. What is the opposite of sober? It's drunk. What is it to be drunk? It is to have your control suppressed. It is to have your balance um, taken away. It is to have your faculties depressed and not working at the level that they are supposed to work. And the result is this stupor. The result is, is this experience of the world that is hazy, that you are in a stupor and you cannot fully control yourself. And as a result, you are very easily manipulated by whatever is directly in front of you in the, in the very moment picture is one who is teetering and tottering, stumbling along the way because of not being in control. And beloved, what I would suggest is that is a great way to describe American culture prior to this disease. But American culture, because of all the wonderful blessings, but not managing those blessings well, has been teetering along has been in a drunken, excited stupor. And that you and I, beloved, as Christians, have gotten drawn into that. It is so easy to get drawn into the things of this world and to become drunk on them rather than to set our hope fully on the grace we have received and the grace that is coming. And so in opposition to that drunken stupor of living uh, according to uh, this worldly blessings, which we are told earlier in the chapter are rusting and decaying and are passing away, what we are called to do, beloved, is renew our minds uh, on a moment-by-moment on a moment basis, living with a sober mind where it, we are in the full control of the Holy Spirit working through uh, God's word as God's grace is gripping us and as we are gripping that grace. Prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, setting your hope fully on the grace that is ours. Beloved, this is what it means for us to be holy as God is holy. It is to be 100% devoted to God with every aspect of our being as we wait for the fullness of our salvation to come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so set your hope this week. Set your hope fully on God's grace. Rehearse to yourself the grace that you have already received. Rehearse to yourself the, 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 the amazing privilege of living in a period of redemptive history that past saints longed to live in. 
Embrace that. Enjoy it. And define yourself by that. And then look forward to the grace that is coming when you will be openly vindicated before God and before this world as being righteous. Because God is openly vindicating himself in calling you as his people. Beloved, this is what, this is how we respond to God's holiness by reflecting that holiness in this world. It is by reflecting how God-centered God is in bringing glory to his name and salvation to his people. Devote yourselves completely to his glory, his kingdom, his rule, and let go of all the competing and rival factions that are constantly trying to get your heart and to get your mind and to get your will set on earthly things. Beloved, set your hope fully the grace of Jesus Christ, which is yours by faith. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace. We praise you that you care so much about your glory, that you care so much about your name, that it has led you to save us as your people and to sanctify us as your people. You are so concerned for yourself that it has led us to become the beneficiaries of your purposes. Lord, there is much that is in, by way of distraction right now. And so clear, clear away those distractions so that we can set our hope fully on what we have in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to breathe deeply, to breathe that grace deeply into, into our souls so that we might live as expressions of the heavenly places here on earth. Lord, give us the courage to do this, but also give us the purpose. Give us a purpose of, of very purposefully preparing our minds weaning ourselves from the things of this earth and from the drunken stupor that they, that they cause and drinking in the realities of the heavenly places that give us clarity of thought, clarity of speech, clarity of intention. Lord, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.